0: Hey guys, Eric Sue here. So the following is a clip from the Leveling Up Founders mastermind that happened in Beverly Hills. And you're going to hear from some amazing founders, some amazing marketers and investors. And this was a private event that happened. So again, you'll get a preview of it. If you want to learn more, you can go to levelingup.com founders. Once again, levelingup.com founders. And without further ado, enjoy the clip.
1: I was in forum at the time with seven boys, of course. There's not many women in YPO, which is another thing I'm actively trying to change. And you don't mind if I swear I'm an Aussie, like with gutter mouths. Thanks. So my seven forum buddies said to me, Can we do non-castalt? which means can we just give you some advice? And I said, sure. And they said, Why the fuck aren't you doing this for yourself? And I was like, What do you mean? I'm not a venture capitalist, I don't understand anything about markets. What was interesting is I started in sweat equity. So I started looking for companies that usually a lot of people who were influencers had created a great business, knew nothing about business. (laughs) And I would go in and take 50% of their company when they were about to close in exchange for equity. And then I would say to them, if i it was a no win, no fee, because I felt bad taking half their business when they're about to go broke. So I said to them, if I can't turn this around, you can have all your equity back. And as far as I was concerned, in six months, you fail quickly, if I couldn't do it, the equity wasn't worth anything anyway. So I did that, built and exited a number of businesses, and then YPO buddies were like, hey, Do you want to do a fund? So then started a $20 million fund, which was a seven year term. And this, that ended last year and we got 119% in returns for our investors, which is great. So I am all about business for good. I'm all about bridging the gap in female entrepreneurship. And what something interesting happened during COVID, which was, and I'll show you some of my best practices. I had a lot of YPOs come to me and go, oh shit. I need to digitally transform, and I need to do it yesterday. So they wanted access to my IP, to my processes, and in true YPO spirit, you share that. So I'm gonna share some of those things today. So let me just give you a little bit of a vibe on what I'm seeing and what I'm feeling. My business partner now, she's a data analyst, so she's always feeding me data and telling me go do something with it, go make money with it. So a few things, the first one is that People are searching still online for organic content. We're going to talk about that. I still see that as one of the biggest opportunities. I've heard a lot of talk about pay-per-click, but organic to me is a real place to win. I call it EAT, Expert, Authority, and Trusted, and I know that you're B2B, so I'll give you a hack today. Uh, The three necessary evils, Meta, Google, Amazon. We no longer own our customer, which is a major concern for me. Because when I'm trying to get a, a, a higher multiple at exit and to really maximize that value, we need to be able to own the customer in order to control our destiny. So that's another concern of mine. Consumer spending, obviously, I'm really interested in the Uber Lux market. That's still growing, the middle falling out, and I'm really enjoying unsexy businesses like B2B that just haven't really leveraged online and. I'm working with a suit company out of New York, they do 70 million and they don't even have a friggin' pixel. And I'm like, you do realize 71% of people are searching online before going into a store. So for me, that's an easy deal I can make with somebody who is probably too old to evolve himself, the business himself. And then a bit of a touchy one, but I like psychology around sales, it's the lack of trust. This is, since we've been tracking humanity, it's the lowest lack of trust we've ever had. So with AI coming in, that's going to get even worse. So how do we show up as authentic leaders, as authentic content creators? And that's really important. You can no longer be a silent CEO. You need to stand for something more than just saying, buy my shit. And so the things that I'm focusing on is personalization, like getting really back to, I see you, I hear you, you belong with my brand. Owning my data. I will use, obviously, pay-per-click and other methods. I'm bringing them getting their phone number is the most important thing, and then I'm bringing them onto my own platforms. So creating my own online platforms and apps that have nothing to do with those three evils. The next one is human to human. Everyone talks B2B, D2C. I really think we need to get back to human to human. How do we add tremendous value up front? Because acquiring the customer, there are things you can do to optimize that. The money for me is in getting the average order value up and the LTV. Referrals still the cheapest way to grow a business. So how do we make sure that they're a lifetime fan? And then lastly, becoming a media house. You really need to think as if you're a media house, long form content on YouTube. Just I bought a prepared meals company, which I built and exited. And they said, oh, so you, you're in the business of cooking, and I said I've never been in the business of cooking. Not best use of my time, but I shut down the kitchen straight away. Delegated that, knowing that margins on cooking is 10 percent for the, and I focused. I said we are not a prepared meals company. We are a marketing company, and we are going to create content all about what we sell. So those are my focuses. So if we've got a 10x activity, how do we have to 10x our investment? No. So There's four things that I do. I create offshore engine rooms. One of the investments in our fund was a BPO, which is a back office in the Philippines. I've been working with them for over 15 years, people in the Philippines, and we have over 4,000 staff there. For me, it's all about when I acquire a business or if I'm mentoring a business, I say, sorry for the ad agency people, but I'm like, you use them for high-level stuff. We have to, if we want to own our growth, we have to have in-house engine rooms. And that also helps when people are going through due diligence and they see that all the skills, we're not third-party dependent on anything other than brainstorming strategy, high-level growth stuff. So I make sure we build engine rooms and our money can go a lot further with offshorers. I have SOPs. So whenever I see something that's working, I turn that into a follow the bouncing ball process that can be scalable. And too many people run around in the marketing world saying, oh, it's all a crystal ball. It's not. It's very predictable. Humans are still predictable. I know we think we're complicated, but we're still meat suits. We still resonate with the same messages. So when I see that something works, I create it into a process, and I have a learning management system that I put that in. We're harnessing, obviously, AI, which is really interesting, because I feel like It's two letters that everyone's just learned how to spell, even though we've been using it for over four years now, but really being able to couple AI tools with offshorers. And the reason we harnessed it four or five years ago inside our business is because they're not living here and they don't understand necessarily the nuances of hooks and metaphors and all that sort of stuff. I don't care my creatives get 10 minutes to brainstorm shit whether they're onshore or offshore and then I'm like let's go see what the data tells us and then that gives us a percentage rate and then we get them to rewrite it based on best practices before we even throw any money at it and of course the metrics and data that's really important we build We optimize and then we scale. None of this, let's just spend $10,000 and see what sticks. That's not a split test. We can split test really affordably and lots more content than throwing money at it. I find it lazy. So let's talk about the offshore engine room that you're going to create to do some of those four things that we focused on. That's just for the marketing people in the room. I'm just... That's just to demonstrate the two different sides of the brain and there's about 10 different skill sets in here, please don't expect one person to do all of them. This is how I start, I normally go into a business and create them a small offshore team. Everything that's circled there are the resources that I get offshore. The difference about what I do is, and how I attract the top 1% of talent in the Philippines is I usually wait for people who've gone and studied here, university in America, They've gone and worked for Microsoft and Google back in the Philippines, and they're at a point in their life, especially the women, where they don't want to commute three hours a day into the city. Sometimes they live in the city in homes together, so they're away from their children. So I offer them 25% more than their current wage. I let them work from home in their province so they can be with their children, provide them training, and we also give back at every in every community. So that to women is very appealing and I make them part of our team, and we have the highest retention than any other BPO in the country because of that. So, thank you. So, four million, let's go. (laughs) I'm aligned with the UN, and I remember once when they said to me, the number one thing you can do is educate more women, and that takes care of all the sustainability goals. So to me, if I can get 4,000 women at home not having to be dependent on these big multinationals that take them away from their families, then that's the best we can do. It's brand new, season two. Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm
0: Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic
1: novela, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast.
0: Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9 Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen.